Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right, so we are in part four, I believe. Yeah, part four. Uh, We have been talking about ancient past in the book of Jeremiah, it says this, stop, stand at the crossroads, look around, look for the, the ancient past, the eternal ways, and then walk in those that there might be rest for your soul. And so we've been doing that for a few weeks now, and this will be the uh, kind of the last of the orientation of where we are at, and then next week we're going to get into uh, the first of seven particular paths uh, that the Lord has laid out for us that uh, these are paths that Jeremiah walked and David walked and Jesus walked and our kids walked. They are eternal. They're not based upon circumstances and what's going on in the world. Uh, Does that not sound good? Something that just lives on? And so uh, last week I made the kind of comment, uh, you've heard the quote, uh, what does a journey of a thousand miles start with? A single step, we've said that that's wrong, you've learned something wrong your whole life. Uh, The journey of a thousand miles, I said starts with a compass, right? Because what is if you start stepping and you start going in the wrong direction? So the whole idea of we are here. And so we looked at what it is to follow Jesus. Uh, And for some of us, we've been following people who don't follow Jesus, right? And uh, when you follow someone that doesn't follow Jesus, you end up in a place where Jesus isn't. Mind blown, right? I mean, big revelation right there, but it happens. She says, my sheep know my voice. And for some, we have a tendency to wander off into this cultural Christianity uh, that no longer says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but Jesus is just, well, there's, there's many ways. There's lots of ways, and truth is relative, and you could have truth, and you could have truth, and all of these things, and then, and then life, there's all of these different ways, rather than the singular nature of what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to settle for any cheap substitute. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want the real thing. Uh, so this whole series, we're stopping at the crossroad to say, Jesus What do you have for us? What paths can we walk in? So today, we're going to read from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation, chapter 1, and we're going to do a little bit of chapter 2. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. The first part, 1, verse 1, says like this. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John who faithfully reported everything that he saw. This is his report. So everything you're about to read, this is a report of the revelation of Jesus Christ through John, of everything that Jesus showed John. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses those who, what, read the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listens to his message and obey what it says. For the time is near. So three things, reading it, listening to it, and obeying it. I've always kind of heard if you just read it, you get blessed. Well, there's three different ingredients. you got to read it, you got to listen to it, and you've got to obey what it says. So this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. 
Grace and peace. We've heard that somewhere before. To you, (laughs) from the one who is and who always was and who still is to come. And now let's skip down to verse 8. And in verse 8, Jesus says it like this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come, the Almighty One. Now I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering in God's kingdom and in this patient endurance to which Christ calls us. I was exiled to this island of Patmos. Why was he exiled? He was exiled for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. Did you shoot somebody? No. You robbed somebody? No. I was just preaching the word of God and my testimony about Jesus, so he gets exiled to this island. And it was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit when suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, and it blasts. And it said this, write a book and everything that you see it and send it to the seven churches in these cities. And then he begins to list the seven churches and John has this revelation of Jesus Christ. Few things. Uh, introductions are very important. How you introduce yourself, how you enter a room gives people the idea of what you're there and what you're all about. So in other words, if, if someone knocks on your door and you answer the door and, hey, how are you doing? My name's Jeff. Good to see you, Jeff. I'm from the IRS. Not good to see you, Jeff. Nobody's home, right? So introductions are very important. And Jesus, there's three separate different introductions here. There's Jesus, there's John, and then there's these churches. And so understanding what Jesus says in each one of them is important in the outfolding of this, this, uh, this whole book. Jesus says, I was, I am, I am to come. The beginning, the end, the alpha, and the omega, and the omega, everything that you're about to read, a letter to all these churches. He's saying, like, uh, all of this, like, it, it, it has happened, it is happening, it's going to happen. These churches were seven actual churches that were there during that time, and these things that Jesus is going to say to them, it applies to those particular churches, but it also applies to the ones that were, and the ones that are, and the ones that are to come. And so, in other words, even if it's our kids and our grandkids and years from now, it would still apply. These words still hold true because they come from the one who was, who is, and is to come. Where did Jesus come from? He was. And is he here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. And is he going to be there when we get there? Yep. So, so, so like, which one was it? Was he was? He was or was he there? Or was he going to be? Yep. All of them was before, all of the before times, and he spoke this word and everything came into existence, all of this. And then you have John. Now, it's really interesting the way John introduces himself because he uses three different titles. First, he says, I'm the servant John. Then he says, I'm your brother John, and I'm also your partner in suffering John. This is interesting because uh, John has written another book. He's written the Gospel of John. And throughout that book, when John is writing this gospel to tell people about the life and the teachings of Christ, he never uses his name. Every time he refers to himself in that book, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Doesn't even use his name, just the one whom Jesus loved. And and I love that. But here in this book, he's real clear that, like, no, no, I'm a servant, I'm your brother, and I'm your partner in suffering. 
And, and I just thought, well, why would John use his name here when he didn't use it once in the other book? It was just the one whom Jesus loved. And I think part of it is because when you know that you are loved, it frees you up to be a witness. It frees you up to be a servant. See, because if you don't have that, if you're not working from a place of I know that I'm loved, you will try to serve in a capacity where you're trying to earn somebody's love. You're trying to earn God's love. I'm trying to do all these things because if I do these things, then maybe God will be pleased with me. But John doesn't have that at all. John, no, no, I know that I am loved. I am the one whom he loves. And so whenever I introduce myself as the servant, I am simply a witness to whatever God wants to say and whatever God wants to do. And I'm just going to write down word for word. And God even says it, this is my faithful witness. Which is, it's awesome because John is getting ready to write this book and he's going to write a whole bunch of things that even him himself doesn't understand. He's going to start writing these things, and I'm watching, I'm having this revelation of Jesus Christ from him to me, and I'm writing these letters, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm writing, which is very encouraging. Because if you've ever read the book of Revelation, you're like, what? The person who wrote it was like, what? He was many times. So every time you see in Revelation, there's these times where John is trying to describe what he's seen and what God's revealing to him. And when he describes it, all he can say, it was kind of like this. There's this moment where he sees Jesus and it was, his, eyes were, his eyes were like fire. Like, I can't tell you, I don't know how to fully describe what his eyes were like, but it was just like this fire. And it was, it was, there was this robe and his hair and his, and his feet, and they were, like, they were like bronze. And, and it was like white as pure wool. Like, like, it's just like. He's kind of like a 16-year-old girl. It's just like. Everything's like. It's like that. It's like that. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all 16-year-olds are offended. I apologize. But he's trying to describe things and things that he doesn't see and it's like this, but I am just a faithful servant, given what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm right along with you, your fellow brother in Christ. So let me kind of set up the scene for you for a minute. John is there, and at this point in history, uh, John is an old man. The gospel of, uh, of John has been written. It's gone out. Things are happening all over the world. And uh, historically, John is the youngest of the disciples. And so by the time he gets on this island, he's probably in his upper 80s. And he's seen his friends die. The other disciples, the ones that have walked with him, have passed away. Many of them martyred. And, and he, he's, he's seen crazy miracles happen. I mean, all that that we're reading about in Acts, all of this is happening. And he's seen the church grow. He's seen the church through persecution. He's walked with Jesus for three years in the flesh. He was right there at the cross. And now he's an old man, and he's in his 80s. And he's on an island. And he's sent there because they don't like that he's still preaching. He's still giving testimony of what God has done in his life. 
And so how are we going to get rid of this dude? Let's send him to the island of Patmos. And this is the island where they would send everyone that they just didn't want to get, they didn't want anything to do with, the worst of society. We'll just put them on this island. We won't have to deal with them. And so everything that uh, they're trying to do in, in their power to silence John, we're going to put him on this island. And so it says this. Uh, I need somebody. Ed, how about come up here? You're going to be in the Greek John means Ed. It doesn't, but today it does. So you're going to be John. And so just stand right here, face this camera. Right there, camera's going to be right on you. And so you, I know you're not in your 80s. Close, close not even close. You're like 37. And uh, you're on this island. You've seen the ups and the downs. You've seen your friends die. And you're there, and, and I don't know what's going through your mind, but I do know this, that it's the Lord's day. And because it's the Lord's day, it says that he was just worshiping. There wasn't no church there. He's out there on a beach by himself, and he's just worshiping, just loving Jesus. And then the scriptures say that from behind him came a sound. And the sound was like, it was like a trumpet. And in the middle of my worship, I turned to see the one. And when he saw the one with eyes like fire, the scripture says he fell down as if he was dead. You're dead. You're dead. Get on the ground there. Now, stay there. He, have you ever heard that song, I Could Only Imagine? What is it going to be like when I see Jesus? This is what it's going to be like when you see the one who has fire in his eyes. And he fell down as this would. But then the scripture says, Jesus does this. You see these? You see these, John? I hold the keys of death in the grave. In other words, you can't die until I tell you you can die. Get on up. Get on up, John. He said, I hold the keys. Think about that for a minute. The keys of death itself. In other words, listen, there's going to be a day where I lock up death itself and you ain't going to see it no more. Every single person in this room is acquainted. We know someone. We've lost someone where there's going to be a day where people are like, death, what is that? He locked that up. He threw away that key. Death, what is that? Is it like a VHS tape? What is a VHS tape? Be kind. Please rewind. We had to do that. And God's like, no, 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 no. It'll be a thing of the past. I've got the keys. And that's so comforting because if he is the one who was and is and is to come, that lets me know that even death itself, it's, it's subject, no, no, I got you. I got you. I got you. John's there 
He's on this island. He's in his 80s. Things have gotten hard. And what does he do? He worships. It was the Lord's day. It was the Lord's day. I don't worship. There ain't no church around me. There ain't no band playing. As a matter of fact, I'm on this island with murderers and thieves and everybody else that society doesn't want. Which is interesting because, like, did you see the people that Jesus picked? They were the ones that society didn't want. And yet, look at what happened. We'll get back to that in a minute. So John starts taking these notes. And in chapter 2, it says this, uh, beginning with verse 2. I know all things that you do, speaking to this particular church at Ephesus. I know all the things I do. You have seen your hard work, and I've seen your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. I know that you've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they are not, and you've discovered that they're liars. I know how you've patiently suffered uh, for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. God says, listen, I, I know everything you've done, and you're pretty awesome. I, I know that you've endured hard things. I know you've gone through it, church. I, I know you've got good theology. I know all of this. I know all the suffering that you've done. But listen, you've lost something along the way. You've lost something along the way. And the reality is, listen, you could hate the things that Jesus hates, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll love the things that Jesus loves. You can make a stand and you can hold fast. And you can say, no, this is the truth. And we could rightfully decide. And you could also lose, lose love in the process. The apostle uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. We could do all these things, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Have you ever just lost something along the way? I remember we were building our house in the middle of building our house, uh, I'd go to Lowe's all the time just to find stuff on sale. And there was this particular, there was uh, the bottom drawers for the laundry room. And instead of being $200, it was 60 bucks. I said, yes, that's got my name on it because if it ain't on sale, it ain't for me. And so we bought this, this uh, drawer set and I put it in the back of the truck, uh, drive home. I'm so excited. And, and then I go to take it out of the truck and pieces of the drawers are missing. Oh, yeah, those things move, don't they? And so uh, I'm like, oh, so I jump in the car, and I drive back down the road. I'm trying to find the drawers to this thing, and they are gone. I mean, it's Brunswick County. Like, stuff gets gone quick. And so I can't find So I have these now drawers, but I've lost something along the way. I think I told you the time uh, my mom, she usually can make a pretty good peach cobbler. But this particular time, we sit down, and as a family, we start eating the peach cobbler. Like, something ain't right. Take another bite. Something. And then all of a sudden, we realize she made a peach cobbler with no peaches. <laughs> Mom, what did you do? I forgot the peaches. This called peach cobbler. It's the one thing. It's the one thing you got to make sure you have in that, just the peaches. The one thing we got to make sure we have is Jesus. I think sometimes we can get so busy doing things for God that we, we can lose something along the way. 
and not even realize it, be doing really good things, but lose something. Put it like this. We can get so caught up in the how that we forget the who. Has that become you? Has it become me? Have we gotten so caught up in the how we're doing, how we're trying to do all these things, really good things for God, that we forgot who it's for, and we end up with a peach cobbler with no peaches? Come on. Now, what's interesting, there's two different parts to this section. And Jesus says, listen, it's not just that you've lost your love for me, but you've lost your love for me and each other. See, these two things are eternally connected. The way you love God and the way you love others, you can't separate those two. We want to, but we can't. See, as we love Jesus more and more, our love for others has to increase more and more. If it's not, it's not Jesus you're loving. It's something else. And if you think it's some, some other way, no, no, it's, it's proportionate. As we learn these things, they, they rise and they fall together. And this is what makes Christianity so difficult. Because Jesus is easy to love. Jesus doesn't burn the chicken. Jesus doesn't cuss you out on Monday. Come on, Jesus isn't going to give you the bird on Highway 17. Jesus is easy. You're a pain in the butt. Come on. Be honest. You know you. Humanity, we are the problem. I mean, come on. Sometimes I get on my own nerves. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Just, can I just get rid, just get rid of me? I, I'm so annoying. Uh, you're easy, God. You don't ever, you know, but man. And yet, there's this, this reality is as we love God, we have to love each other. It says this in the book of Matthew. Jesus puts it this way. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 35, he says this. For I was hungry, and you fed me, and I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me into your house. And I was naked, and you gave me clothing. And I was sick, and you cared for me. And I was in prison, and you visited me. And then everyone's like, wait, what? No, we never even saw you hungry or fed you or thirsty or gave you something to drink or, or as a stranger. What? And then Jesus says this in verse 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, to the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. How we treat humanity is how we're treating Jesus, which is super scary. Because remember, we're annoying. And, and, and let's be honest, like some of us are having a hard time even loving our friends, let alone loving our enemies. I mean, we, we get so offended and we get so mad and we get angry at the people we like. And Jesus is saying, and I'm like, listen, if you're not careful, you could lose something along the way. The problem is for some of us, it's not that we've been hurt by Jesus, it's that we've been hurt by humanity. And it frustrates us about the Christian faith because we are the representatives of Christ. And so when, as the representative of Christ, we go out and we don't act in a Christ-like manner, we show the world that this is what Jesus is supposed to look like, so we turn the world off of Jesus, not because of who Jesus is, but because of who we are. Which is frustrating because it would seem like, Jesus, you would think you'd have a better plan than to use me. 
But yet this is the reality of all of the scriptures. Of I like to use the things that are busted up and broken and make no sense to reveal my glory through. And that's why I'm going to put John on this island. And that's why I'm going to pick these 12 disciples that no one else wants. And that's why I'm going to do all this. And I'm going to be born in a manger. All of these happening. It's part of Jesus is just, no, no, this is how we do it. And I'm just wondering if we've lost something along the way. Now back to John. Because he could have lost it. He's an old man by this point. All of his friends have died around him. He's seen great persecution to the church. But look at his reaction. It was the Lord's day, and I was just worshiping. No band, no nothing, just me and Jesus. I was just worshiping. And I fell down as if I was dead when I had this encounter. Is there a wonder in your worship? I mean, do you realize what we came to do this morning? We came, and Jesus is in this place. We came here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If that doesn't blow your mind, you may have lost something along the way. The maker of heaven and earth who holds the keys to death and the grave. The one who was resurrected on the third day. The one whose blood makes me clean and pure. If there's not a wonder in that anymore, maybe we've lost something along the way. If all we can think about is the band was really good, you may have lost something along the way. You're frustrated because the air conditioning or they ran out of donuts or whatever it is. You may have lost something along the way. Because John shows us, listen, it doesn't matter what state you're in. All of these things. He could have so easily gotten bitter. Look at what my life has represented. I've done all of these things for Christ and now I'm exiled to this island. I mean, he's he's literally on the island of misfit toys, y'all. And they're trying to shut him up. But here's what's interesting. How did this letter get off the island? Because it's changed the world. It literally has changed the world. He's preaching to these people. He's revealing this revelation that Jesus is getting him. And all of a sudden, see, their attempts to shut him up actually only made him louder. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. If you feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, God's done with me. If there's breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. It doesn't matter how hard, how impossible things look. God could just say, grab a pencil. Grab a pencil. We're going to change the world. Just love it. This perspective, John, it's on the Lord's day. I'm just going to worship him no matter what. And listen, I am your partner in suffering. See, John has this realization. He's not suffering alone. He understands what it means to follow Jesus. If I was to say, Lucas, what is one of the biggest problems we have in American Christianity, and I'm very clear to say American Christianity, is that we don't have a good understanding of the theology of suffering. I would say maybe the number one problem. Because for the most of us, it's come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. And that is not what the scriptures teach us. 
That's not what Jesus teaches us. That's not what every single one of the disciples teach us. Like there's going to be, I am your partner in suffering. To be a follower of Christ means there's going to be someone that's going to persecute you for your belief in Christ and your testimony of faith. We don't like this. We want a life that's void of pain, void of suffering, void of any type of uh, discipline. We want to do things our own way. Uh, every night at my house, it gets, it gets to be a certain time, and I tell Kobe, turn off the TV. It's time to read. Dad, come on. No, no, it's time to read. Why? Because readers are leaders. Come on, girl. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to read. Turn the TV off. Huh. And now she's gotten to where she's doing it every night. Because we're, we're instilling this discipline in her. Because, girl, you're called to be the head and not to tail. Now, it's not just this kind of prayer. No, this is a promise. No, this is what your father is speaking over you. So as your father, I'm going to help discipline you in a way to create disciplines in your life that will carry you on when things get really tough. Because you got it made right now, girl. But there's going to be a day when it gets tough. And you're called to be a leader. And I want you to turn that TV off and read and then brush your teeth. You're going to thank me for that one later, too. <laughs> you appreciate that. Right? But we want that instant gratification. We want things to be easy. We want to buy now and pay later. I think that kind of sums up what some of us have been taught. You can just buy now and pay later. It don't work. Not with Jesus. But Jesus first. Jesus first, let me go and, let me go and bury. Nope. Let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, that's hardcore. This brother's like, no, I got a funeral to go to. Nope. This is Jesus. The only funeral you got to go to is yours. Let the dead bury their own dead. The person that needs to die is you. Follow me. I mean, it don't get, I mean, that's Jesus, y'all. Don't get mad at me. That's what Jesus is saying. It's going to be hard. We love, like, like oh, Job, Job got double for his trouble. You know what Job went through? That brother had lost everything. He's sitting at a campfire with sores all over his body, scraping himself with a piece of pottery with like four of the world's worst friends and a wife that's like, why don't you just curse God and die? If I was Job, I would have been like, could you have taken her? I'm like, left the, take these friends too because they suck. Like, like, that's what the whole book of Job is about, really bad advice from really bad friends. And he's there, and, he's, and we love to, like, but he got double. I don't, want none of, you know, I don't want none of his troubles, though. None of that. None of that. The way of Jesus isn't easy. And John shows us in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, I'm going to worship. I'm just going to worship through it. What kind of witness can I be? You could grab a pencil, and you could simply write down the things that Jesus reveals to you, and you could send a letter to somebody. I'm just going to encourage you. You still have to do what God has calling you to do, no matter how hard it seems. Return to your first love. It says return to your first love. Y'all remember that first love when you just... You met somebody and there's that, that first love love. That's a good kind of love. 
That's a stupid kind of love too, ain't it? Like I, all these people like, oh, we're just in love. When you're in love, you got kind of crazy faith. We're just in love. We want to get married. You know what you're getting into? Yeah, yeah. You, where are you going to work? I ain't got no job. But it's all right. We just we, go, we love each other. I was talking to a couple the other day, and they're a little bit older, and they're like, hey, you know, are you all ready for the fights? And they said, well, you know, we really don't fight. I don't think we're going to have any fights. Like, that's so cute. <laughs> it just lets me know, no matter how old you get, love will do that to you. And God's saying, return to that. Return to that place where you just love me, where you just trust me. Because when, when it's the first love, you don't know the word impossible. We ain't got enough money to get married. We're going to figure out a way. We ain't got enough money to do this. We ain't got enough money to have these kids. We ain't got to, you're going to figure out a way because we in love. And God's saying, there's something about that. There's something about having that love that, that, that remember, John, when you first followed me? Remember, you just dropped everything. Imagine telling your friends, where are you going? I don't know. How are you going to eat? I'm not sure. Where are you going to live? I don't know, but I know the one in whom I'm following. Return to that first love. And John hasn't lost it, but this church has. And because just, just return to that love where you just followed me. Where you just followed me no matter what, where the who is more important than the how. Remember when you were just first saved, when you were just, just happy to be on the team. I'm just happy I'm on the yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. You're like the fourth string quarterback. I don't care, I'm on the team. I get a ring like everybody else. Return to that kind of love where you ain't got to be the superstar, where your works ain't got to be noticed, where it doesn't matter. I'm just happy to be on this team. I'm just happy he saved me. I'm just happy that God had grace on my life and I'm still here to give testimony of his goodness. Remember when you first loved? You don't know anything. You don't know anything. And it's funny because sometimes I think the older we get, we start to believe that we have understanding and we have wisdom, which is false. Growing older doesn't necessarily mean growing wiser. See, I think true wisdom is as you grow older and as you learn more, there's the realization of how little you know. The more I grow in this wisdom, the more I realize, God, I don't even have a clue. The more I think I understand and I'm just scratching the surface. Have we lost our just ability to ask questions? Or do we think we know it all? Because if you think you know it all and you think you've arrived, maybe we've lost our way. Because his ways are so much higher than mine. Have we stopped asking questions? Are we lifelong learners? Do we just trust? It's so easy to start relying on your own talent your own ability, your own knowledge, your own experience. But Jesus has called us to be a people of faith. You want to know how to please, just have some faith. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just know you're going to do it. There's this moment where, where they got to pay some taxes. They say, hey, what, what are you going to do, Jesus? How are you going to pay your taxes? Listen to Jesus' plan. All right, y'all go fishing. And when you go fishing, you're going to catch this fish. It's going to be a, probably a grouper. I don't know what it was. You're going to catch this fish. 
And when you open its mouth, there's going to be a coin in its mouth. Take that coin and pay the taxes. Craziest plan I've ever heard in my life. We, we got to build, build out this building. It'll be like four or five million dollars. You know how we're going to do it? We're going to go fishing. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. And God is going to draw people unto himself. We're going to be people of faith. We're going to be people of love. We're not going to be a people that lose the thing that we had at the beginning. We're going to find ourselves in our 80s, even if we find ourselves on this island and the world tries to shut us up. We're still going to give testimony of the great love of Jesus Christ and his grace and his peace. Come on, somebody, for Jesus, for Jesus. That's the worship team. If everyone please stand to their feet. I think it's interesting that the enemy tried to put John on this island. He tried to silence his voice, tried to seclude him from the rest of everyone. He's tried to do just that with us through these last few years. He's tried to isolate people. He's tried to minimize your impact. He's tried to tell you you have a testimony that no one wants to hear, a gospel that no one's going to see, and so he's put you on this island, but John shows us as long as there's some breath in your lungs, as long as there's still some wonder in your worship, there's no telling. You want God to speak to you? Just start worshiping. Just start worshiping. I just want to read one of the Psalms real quick. I wanted to read it earlier, but this is, a, this is a psalm of David, and I love this because this isn't David trying to get all theological. He's just, he just having, it's rough. And he goes on, he says this, and, oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? You ever had those times? Like, God, do you even remember me? I feel like I'm on this island. Are you even listening? How long? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? And the sorrow in my heart every day, how long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, restore the sparkle to my eye. Or I'm going to die. I'm growing bitter over here. Restore the sparkle in my eye. It's been rough. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But... But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have res rescued me, and I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Did you catch that? Nothing has changed. Everything, his enemies are still all around him. He's still having one of the worst days. But in the midst of this, all of a sudden, his complaining turns into worship, and his focus turns back to God. And he just says, hold on, but when I look at you, I've looked at my problems, God, and I've told you what my problems are, but when I look to you, God, and I look and I trust in your unfailing love, I begin to rejoice because, God, you have already rescued me. You are the one who was and is and is to come. And you've done it and you'll do it again. Even if my circumstances don't change, I'm just going to worship you in the middle of it. I'm going to worship you no matter what the doctor's report says. Stage four, and you ain't going to make it. Write your last goodbyes. Nope, not today. 
your child is hooked on drugs. And God, I don't see a way out. Jesus does. And you don't understand why all of these things are happening and your bank account's getting lower and lower. And you don't understand why these people just keep treating you the way they're treating you. Listen, start worshiping. That's what David did. That's what John did. I'm on this island. I've lived this fullness of my life, but today's the Lord's day. I'm just going to worship. Let's close our eyes. Just two different prayers. Maybe there's someone in here that you've lost the wonder in your worship. You've been doing some great things. You've just gotten more focused on the how than the who. Return to me. Return to me. And then maybe there's someone else in the room that you don't know him. And the reason why you haven't accepted Christ is because you've been hurt by people who are supposed to represent Christ. You've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people just like me that stood on a stage and made you feel like you were one inch tall. Humanity can be ugly. But the truth is, the way is, and the life is Jesus. And he loves you. And he's calling you home. Don't let a bad experience keep you from the arms of your heavenly father. Come back to me. If that's you and you're here in the room and you don't know, I'm going to ask you to just put your hand real high in the air. I just want to lead you in a prayer back to Jesus. I don't want to miss anybody, so if that's you, put it real high where I could see it. All right, I want to believe that everyone in here knows him. For those of us that do know you, Jesus, we're just returning to you. We're returning to that first love. Let's worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.